Man, you've been busy today, bro. Like, Working McWorkerson is so busy, huh? <laughs> yeah. Hold your Lukey. It's not going to stop for months. Oh, no. Oh, no. Why? Why Worky Work? Oh, just because I'm in Worky Work school. I'm the busiest time of the of the year. Oh, it's the most it's... busiest time of the year. Yeah. I just want to weep. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I'm good. No, everything's fine. I I really have nothing to complain about. Yeah, you do. You got plenty to complain about. Go. Okay, one. I'm listening to, uh, a, a, as you know, an audiobook on Eisenhower called Eisenhower in War and Peace or something like that. I don't really know. And uh, they're talking about the, uh, you ever study anything about the Second World War and the French? Uh, I mean... Just in studying about the Second World War, yeah. Hmm. When have you actually studied the Second World War? Uh, many times. <laughs> like, as part of a curricula. Uh, well, a part of, I mean, when I was in school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. What do you mean as part of a curricula? You mean in a class? Nah, yeah, I'm just saying, you know. Did your mom uncover that at all, or... Listen to me, you son of a bitch. The History Channel did a good enough job. I had a big salad and a, and, and a, and a big dreams of being a theologian. Who needs history when you have theology? Thanks, guy about the aliens. I agree. No, I, I, I am just kidding. You're so um, mean to me. So, You're so mean to me. I'm not that mean was to mean. you. I that let was you, mean. I let, I, you know, I thought it was kind of mean at first, and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to lean harder into this. <laughs> I let you talk for minutes about things that I could care less about, and I act entertained. I let you keep it in the show. Really, I'm your biggest You advocate. let me keep it in the show? What, with all your editing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Now I feel bad. You, you know I'm sensitive. <laughs> You're the one. Wait, wait a second. I'm being gaslighted. You insult me. You are. You are. You really are. You're right the now. one who insults me. And now all of a sudden I'm apologizing to you. Oh, no, mm-hmm. I feel bad. Come mm-hmm. comfort me so I don't feel bad for making you feel bad. <laughs> okay, so the French. Our sponsor today is our friends over at faithinvestors.com. Visit faithinvestors.com slash foxes to download a free guide on finances and the Christian life. In today's world, it is more important than ever that we actively live out our faith in every aspect of our lives. In Centesimus Anus, St. Pope John Paul the Great tells us, even the decision to invest in one place rather than another, in one productive sector rather than another, is always a moral and cultural choice. When investing for retirement and savings, this can be daunting. When we don't have the time to spend pouring through prospectuses, that's a hard word, and financial jargon to understand every investment we are making. Most Catholics are unaware that while they are out fighting for an end to abortion, mutual funds that they just bought are investing in those very companies that create abortifacient drugs and support Planned Parenthood. Faithinvestors.com is an initiative of core capital management and research that helps the faithful manage the four main tenets of a well-ordered Catholic financial life. One, aligning your investments in retirement with your Christian values. Two, giving good charities that support Christian values. Three, safeguarding your family's future. And four, securing the future of the local church. Your financial actions can reflect your moral and Catholic life so that, as the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace says, even the economy and progress can be transformed into places of salvation and sanctification. Core Capital, who brings us faithinvestors.com, 
is a SEC registered Houston based investment advisor that works with individuals, businesses, churches, and charities around the country. Core Capital has been ranked as one of the top wealth advisors with no minimums by the Houston Business Journal from 2015 to 2021. That's right, no minimums. They believe that everyone deserves professional financial advising. John Barry, a senior partner at Core Capital and faithful listener to the show and personal friend of mine, launched faithinvestors.com to help fellow Catholics take control of their financial lives. Call them today about faith investing at 281-674-7394 or visit them at faithinvestors.com slash foxes to learn more about how to invest according to your faith, how to safeguard your family's future, choose the right charities that support your beliefs and carry out the work of the church, and to ensure your parish's financial future is secure. That's faithinvestors.com slash foxes. Thanks to our good friends over at Faith Investors for sponsoring this show. Uh, So the Germans... They conquer France, and the French are like, oh, I surrender. Now, it wasn't um, that easy, but it also kind of was. So France gets split into two parts. So you have, the, you have like the Nazi France that they take over, which is more the north, I believe. And that's de Gaulle's kind of the guy who's he's in, he's in England saying he's the head of, of France, but he's been cast out because the Germans own it now. Then you have, I believe, the southern part of France, which is run by the Venetians or the um, Venetians. I don't, I, don't, I don't recall the exact term. And the thing that kind of bothers me about that is that those people, they had a thing where they said they would rather be with Hitler than be a blue, which meant be a socialist. And a lot of them were like extreme – they were Catholics yeah. who uh, it was all about the church, um, country, and work was kind of yeah. their big thing, and they were very um, and they did not like the Jewish um people, and they were very unwilling uh, and eager to like j- join Hitler, and to the point where they fought the British and the and the Americans for about three days when they tried to go into Africa in the very beginning. Now, not all French people who were on that side who were um Catholic were like yay for Hitler. Yeah. Let's just keep that in mind but it was definitely the people who were in charge they were that and i'm not bringing this up to be like see rad rad trads were nazis that is not <laughs> what i am trying to say Good. what i am trying to say though is that it there's a part of me that used to kind of romanticize the um that tried to romanticize catholic monarchy oh yeah you know, there's that stat that you hear in the French revolution class that we took in college where it was like, at that time, he said that 50% of all people in France would like to return to a Catholic monarchy, and they're, and they're, and they're all in the rural parts yeah. of France. And now this is 20 years ago. Day. Yeah, and it... And there's, I think it's easy as a Catholic to try to, we need people who like love the old ways. And I, I myself am I'm guilty of this. So like, yeah. They're the ones that have it right to try to romanticized and we have this hard fact put in your face when it's put in your face when it's like oh yeah no no they were on the side that did the worst thing in history yeah. i mean i honestly think the holocaust is one of the worst i mean besides the crucifixion of, of our lord one of the worst things that has ever happened <laughs> I, I i mean top five for sure it's it's just kind of hard thing to you ever hear things about like people in your church that like you know maybe you would identify with in terms of like the majority of their beliefs when you see where they fell in history with some certain things. It's like, I, <laughs> ah. yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you're, you're totally like as a Catholic in public school in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, where you and your brother are the only two. That's constantly in your face, and you always want the Catholics to be 
the good guys, the great guys, the, you know, whatever, the reformer mm-hmm. guys, the the up-and-coming scrappy upstarts who fight the bad guy. But then you realize, like, the church owned the European world, and the European world got rich. And so it did the things that rich people do when they get rich, which is they look for ways to get more rich, <laughs> and they have the means to kind of make it happen. And so a lot of bad stuff happened, yeah. Yeah, and, and it is funny because I, I can remember um, when my teacher, one of my history teachers, said that King Henry VIII was a known philanderer. And, you, and I said, what does that mean? And she said, well, he had lots of affairs with lots of women, one of whom he married or whatever it was. And uh, I said, oh, what about the French kings? Thinking, well, because they're Catholic, they're all perfectly moral superheroes. And yeah. she was like, well, they were probably more or less having, having uh, extramarital affairs with men. And I remember, you know, this being like 1997 and just looking at her like, what? What? <laughs> And you're like, well, and yeah, and it, it, there's just this thing. I, I remember seeing a great Twitter post about this where it's like, you know, when the world was Catholic, there were a lot of things that were different the way that we perceive yeah. things, the way we perceive time itself yeah. and um, the way that we perceive the the economy. And there are some definite pros to the yeah. way that people perceived these things. But it was also like, but then it was just like how things are like. You you had corrupt people who were all Catholic. You had people who like killed people who who were Catholic. You had people who were horribly racist who were Catholic. Like it's just all that changed was the fact. It's, it's like it's there. I think the person's point was it's like how it is now, except they were just um, Catholic, and so was everyone else. <laughs> and it just it doesn't change the fact that uh, we're just severely broken. And and I and and I don't I don't mean this to be some sort of like anti-rad trad ran this is not what um, this is this is just a it's just like a sobering a reminder that this is that um yeah that this is the, the history is 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 just paved in blood <laughs> and yeah, we were yeah, just as yeah, much a part you know, of it and, i mean my uh this one guy who was really struggling with coming to faith me and him would stay up and have really late night chats on this retreat and he was an older guy a brilliant guy harvard business school multi-million dollar multi Companies worth multi million dollars. Can and I tell him about patreon.com slash CF? Already gave him a sticker. Already gave him a sticker. So, <laughs> okay, uh, good. Patreon.com slash CF. And so I was we talking await to him. your support. Yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, I was talking to him, and he was telling me that um, he is excited about his return to his Catholic faith, but his wife is upset. And I said, Oh, really? Why is that? And he said, Well, you know, she's not very religious, although she's raised Catholic and all this stuff. And I said, Okay, par for the course. And he said, yeah, you know, we went and did this beautiful, like, six-month travel across Europe. I was like, oh, that's incredible. And he said, and, you know, you, you just go church hopping and museum hopping, which is kind of the same thing now. And uh, he said, we went to this museum of medieval torture devices. And my wife threw up and had to leave the exhibit because it was so horrific. And you're like... Oh look, these are Dominicans ripping out the guts on this little wheel of, you know, Jews in Spain and all that stuff. And you're like, yep, yikes, yikes. Yep. But you know what's fascinating too is you know I, part of actually World War II that I studied was the relationship in the political philosophy, right? Um, the relationship between like why did so why did Italy 
join with the fascist cause. Now, Mussolini is, is the one that more or less coined the term fascism, and to, he actually coined the term totalitarianism, and it was seen as a benevolent thing in that day, right? Like in the 1920s and 30s, Italy and Germany were a joke in terms, I mean, they were a wreck, let me put it that way. And um, the idea of the total government, this is when you have the complete collapse of family and in in a lot of ways i don't think we appreciate but for many functional parts of germany and france Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. italy especially northern and western italy they were in the dark ages i mean because of world war one i mean it decimated them and so for many of them family didn't exist anymore the church didn't exist anymore or nothing like it used to and so um they they knew one thing they hated the communists the godless heathen communists who celebrated. Mm-hmm. So if there is a strong power that's going to fight the communists, people would join it blindly. So in Spain, you had the rise of fascism. In Italy, you had the rise of fascism. And then in Germany, you had the rise of national socialist fascism. And so it, it was just crazy the way these things throughout. So you had churchmen who originally threw their weight behind the fascisti, right? They threw their weight behind it. They said, this is the solution. Because you, you also got to remember the, the fascists weren't calling for the destruction of the church, but the socialists, the world's, uh, what do you call them? The, the international, right? The, they were calling for the destruction of all churches and religions and all of that. And um, you had this big movement like, okay, well, if we're going to save the church, if we believe the church is a thing worth saving, then we have to ally ourselves with the enemies of the communists. And it turns out the capitalists, they're just chilling. They're fine over there in America and in the UK. It's the fascisti. They're the ones that are actually doing something. And so a lot of people threw their weight behind Hitler and Mussolini especially. And, of course, you know, for people who don't know this, when you look at the um, the Vatican, it's a giant the, – the colonnade is a giant keyhole – and it was Mussolini that ripped a hole straight through all those apartment buildings to link the road to the Vatican um, and then the street to the along the side of the river. And that is called, I can't remember, the Via Conciliazione or something like that. It's the conciliation between the church and the state, which since Garibaldi in 19, you know, whenever he bombed uh, or fired his artillery shell during the Wars of Independence and Reunification for Italy – the Vatican was essentially the prison of the Pope. And so you literally had like 50 years of the Vatican being a giant open-air prison to then Mussolini being like, yeah, as long as you're on my side, I'll open the doors and, and we'll do some concil- reconciliation stuff. But, I mean, he had no no dreams of being a um, follower of Catholicism. It's just it's, – it's a bizarre – history make, and politics make strange bedfellows. And I just think it sucks when we read the past – in such a myopic view. And I you know here's I mean here's the hard part like I I I remember um like I dated a girl whose her grandfather was an Italian POW who was sent over to the states and that's where he met his wife and he was like hey I'm, this is kind of awesome I'm not going to leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is actually pretty common. Um you had a lot of that you have a lot of um Germans uh and Italians. And uh, I remember like, what's so, I remember being so like my, you know, I'm history brain would find that fascinating. Like yeah. he was the enemy in this war. Yeah. 
for a period of time. And then he like, you know, he, and then he makes his life here. That's so, yeah. it, it, it kind of like humanizes it in a really interesting way that I think, you know, that, um, it's one of the things that I, I re- really do feel um, that does bum me out is that we just don't have as many. I mean, obviously, it's you know we're, we're it's eighty years ago now when the Second World War happened, and, and that generation is pretty much gone now. Not not completely, obviously, but they're pretty uh, close to it. And I mean, it's been talked about endlessly, and I, I don't know what I could say about it that that hasn't already been said. But it's such an important. It is both the end and the be- I don't know if the beginning is the right word, but the end and then the after. Yeah, I feel like we're in the after of that. I feel like we will always be in the after of that. Like it was such an epic event. It's like a, a kind of those. Uh, what do you call it? Um, where the sea splits in two. What do you call that? A watershed moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. You know, and it just it. Uh, it's such. You know, like I'll like watch German uh, football uh, guys. I'll be like. Eh. Your grandfather was probably a Nazi. You know, I cannot <laughs> help but think that I, every I single time. I was I like, mean, that guy that served me beer in Austria, he definitely had pictures of his dad yeah. as an SS officer. Yeah. His dad talked about a time when the trains ran very well, a little bit too much for my liking. Yeah. <laughs> um, they ran all sorts of places on time. All There's, sorts of places. <laughs> there, is, there is a human, and obviously, like going to Auschwitz and seeing those things, like that. It, it, it. I mean, it, I don't know how you cannot. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, like my proof for God's existence is like one of the moments that I had there, yeah. like in my own life, and. um there's a human side to the enemy, if if you will, that I think it's very easy to paint them. I, I am not trying to be like, see, the Nazis weren't all bad. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to say, like, there is – I think human beings have the remarkable ability to move on. It's it's pretty insane that we're able to do that. And I think there's a very good part of that, which is – I'm about to sneeze here. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm not even near my thing. Oh, no. Um that's that's in there, everyone. Um, I what was a point. Um, Humans have a remarkable ability to move on, and there's a good and a bad part to that. I think yeah. the, the the good part is like, you know, this girl's like her grandfather was on like the opposite side. It was on the side <laughs> that we were was a POW, and then he made a life here, and you know, and it like, and that's a pretty incredible thing. I think yeah. I, I've never I've never forgotten. That's like. I've I've always I've I I always think it's such a, I've never forgotten that fact I think it's so fascinating and and I, of course you like hear about it in school too but like in Ohio it's not as common as it is out in like you know on the the um, West Coast and so like that's that's kind of an amazing thing but then the part of like things that like we forget too which you know and I struggle a lot with like this idea of like were the Germans how much did they know yeah you know how much you know this I've seen a picture of german pow's who were like they took the so the footage when they were when they discovered you know there had been um, rumors of things going on obviously but when they discovered the concentration camps near the end of the second world war they started to um they would take they took like video um, of um of it of that time and they showed the and they showed the pow's all the German POWs, like what they found in these camps. And there's a picture of guys watching it, and you can see the horror on their face. 
Like you can see just the like, and like they're like some guys like they can't even watch. Yeah. Some guys you can tell they're trying to like they're trying to force themselves to watch. It's really, I mean, it's one of them. It's one of those. Um, it's it's like it is a picture that I think everyone should um, look at because it's uh. there's just so much there, and there's this sense you get of like, oh, they didn't know. But then I'm like, but then what did you think was happening when they went into the ghettos and they all just vanished? Yeah. Like, what do you think was happening when you made all of them register, when you made them wear a tag, when you made, like, what did you think was happening? And then in the towns, I'm just like, bullshit, you didn't know. Like, just bull fucking shit. Oh, you mean the like, small towns that were near the camps? Absolutely. fucking lootly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just, that's my, one of my favorite and most heartbreaking parts in um, Band of Brothers when they make the town, his yeah. own people go and like, and I'm like, I... And they, some people like they refuse to do, it and they, you know, they have like a mental um, break. You know, it's, they yeah. show it's it's a, I, it's an episode I never want to watch, but anytime I go through it, I always make sure I do because it's, yeah, so powerful. But it, anyways, that that, that I, what is my, my Luke here in the weeds again? Um, there are parts, of, there are things we shouldn't forget. I think the Germans do a kind of a good job with this. I think of like they really make sure this is in their history. They don't run away from that. They do try to, I think, I mean, I don't think they want to like, you know, always like, I don't think they want to, From I, I just recall an experience of being told by our tour guy that he was doing a tour out in Berlin. They went to where like Hitler died. He goes, it's just a parking lot. And he said this one time, this guy just like drove by and goes, you know, Hitler doesn't live here anymore, right? <laughs> like, and I, I can understand this kind of like, we get it. Like this happened, but then at the same time, th- there's a real. Um, I remember talking with a <laughs> German. What? I know, I'm just funny. Going, no, no, no. It's just funny that it's like I just imagine the scenario of someone like you know we have to live here, right? Like move on. <laughs> like yeah, well, it sucks. It really, really, really <laughs> sucks. <laughs> like, but just what do you do? Like, what do you do? There's big news from my favorite home security company, Simply Safe, just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. That's right, Simply Safe, the system that U.S. News and World Report names the best home security system of 2021, just got even better. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features that you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. It's got an ultra-wide 140-degree field of view, so you can get that sweet, sweet perif and keep watching your entire yard. It's 1080p resolution with an 8x zoom. That matters. I can tell you personally that doesn't matter. It means you could zoom in and see things clearly like faces and license plates to capture critical evidence. It's got a built-in spotlight with color night vision. Color night vision. That's awesome. So you can keep an eye on what's going on day and night. Super simple to set up, and it takes just minutes. And it has an easy-to-remove rechargeable battery, so it doesn't need an outlet and can go anywhere on your property. This camera has it all, and it integrates with your Simply Safe home security system, extending its protection to the outside. Together it means every door, window, room are protected and now your property will be too. To learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/foxes. That's right. Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service completely free when you enroll in active monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com/foxes. Many thanks to the fine folks at Simply Safe for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. I know. See, the thing is, like, you want to move on because you realize, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> these things got out of oh, control, and we were dead wrong. 
Like, but then, <laughs> but then you don't want to move on because you mm-hmm. think, well, am I doing enough for the victims? Am I moving I'm on totally, totally to escape my own guilt? And it's funny because, like, collectively you have that, but also individually we have that. Where, uh, especially if you lose a loved one, right? Like, you one of the things you have to tell grieving people is. Just because you're starting to heal, that doesn't mean you're hating or rejecting or or leaving them behind. Mm-hmm. Moving mm-hmm. on, moving forward with your life doesn't mean you're ignoring the past, right? Because so many of uh, of people like they feel guilty because their grief is less, and now they become worried that did, did I even love them? You know what happened to my love for them? This used to destroy me. Why is it getting easier? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. there's time, there's distance, but there's also the fact that your heart cried those tears. Your heart did that. Like, you did the mourning, but mm-hmm. you don't want your whole life to be defined by the mourning. And I think, no. like, it's funny because you also, at the same time, want to honor the victims of your, of you know, of, of Germany's violence and African chattel slavery and, you know, all the... Tutsis and the Hutu and the violence that they committed yeah. against each other and uh, you know the Afghans and the and the Taliban it's like at some point we have to move on at some point we have to reconcile but also we still have this massive thing called guilt and wrong that exists in the universe because we brought it into being um did you ever study Nelson Mandela did you ever read anything about his um, probably a decent amount, but not like a job. I wouldn't say that I'm an expert by yeah. any means, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I know enough. Yeah. So the, the, the I, mean, I mean, yeah, the, the, the outline is you had apartheid, you had the mass, uh, suppression of blacks by the Afrikaners who lived in South Africa. You had these, mm-hmm. um, constant demonstrations for equality and all of this stuff and, and civil rights. And then. Things got violent. Nelson Mandela's um, party that he was a part of did did things that all people in oppressive regimes do, like um, you know the Irish Republican Army. Like, uh, th- there's a political side, but then there's the you know what I've had enough. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this boot off my neck. Sometimes the do whatever it takes becomes acts of barbarism and terrorism and Molotov cocktails. So he gets in prison for 27 years. And he comes out, and what they do is after, you know, essentially their side wins and gets control of the government, they have this thing called truth and reconciliation. And the idea was we cannot hide the past. So if you were part of a regime that murdered, raped, killed, stole, whatever, you have to admit and own up to your crimes and confess them. And then we will forgive you and move on. I know. Right? Like how? It was truth. And reconciliation, because what ha- what the desire is, is we just want to murder you, and then mm-hmm. you get power again, and then you murder us, and then we get power again, and we murder you. Like people know of the Rwandan genocide, but very few people know of the opposite side of the tribes in Burundi. The reason why they did the Rwandan genocide, I always confuse the two Tutsi and Hutu who killed who, because the opposite side did the same in Burundi. And while they didn't kill nearly as many people, so it didn't make as many headlines, and it wasn't quite as, like, you know, machete warfare barbarous, um, the the one tribe killing the other, the minority in Burundi, 
led to the majority in Rwanda saying, well, we don't want that to happen to us, so we're going to do it to you before you can do it to us. And we're all interrelated with our tribes, so they just went to town. And it's like, oh, you hurt me, I hurt you. You hurt me, I hurt you. And then you have a woman like Immaculate Ilibagiza who hid in a bathroom with like five or seven other women, a bathroom, a small toilet room, where they each took turns sitting on the toilet just to sit, just to get off their legs for a minute. They hid there for months and months, and then eventually, like, I saw a photo of her, um, left to tell us her book, a photo of her with her arm around the man who macheted her brother to death. Like, chopped him into pieces. (sighs) And it's like, and she, she just said, if Christ can forgive me, and I know for a fact that an eye for an eye, like Gandhi said, just makes the world go blind. How will the violence end? I don't care about revenge. I care about no other child, whether Tutsi or Hutu, ever watching their parents get chopped to pieces again. And the only way it happens is if I hug the man who murdered my brother and forgive him. And so that's what she did. And that's what she taught many people in that nation to do. And it's awesome that she's a super devout Catholic and is not a weirdo. I've met her several (laughs) times, and I'm like... I think you're amazing and you're incredibly beautiful and you're 12 feet tall and I just want to be you. Can I be you? <sighs> yeah. I. It, um, you know what it reminds me of, Luke, what you said? It reminds me. Have you ever read the Iliad? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the the translation that Jaeger, Tom, our, our buddy Thomas Jaeger, when he was at um, that classical school, the Western Academy in, here in Houston, um, the whole faculty, staff, student body, was reading this new translation of the Iliad that is not a poem. It's more prose, but it's kind of more accurate uh, to mm-hmm. the feeling of it. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. But the introduction to that I- copy of the Iliad is awesome because he points out, he says, never in the history of humanity, even including the New Testament, is there a, a clearly a pro side and a villain side where the both sides are treated equally, right? And it kind of made me think of, like, you saying, like, well, yeah, I mean, like, they had this humanity, and they were able to, like, move on and settle down. They were the enemy, and now they're not. And it's amazing. Like, when you go through the Iliad, it gives the Trojans behind their wall just as much sympathy as it does the Greeks, who are on the other side of the wall laying siege to the city of Troy. And it keeps doing that the whole time. Like, it never, ever, ever paints one side or the other side as perfectly righteous or perfectly villainous. And it, mm-hmm. it, and it is quite amazing that this text that does that, like it goes to great lengths. Like, and even the soldiers themselves admire the other soldiers and go out of their way for the other soldiers. And uh, I, I don't know. I always found that funny, especially since I remember in high school, this guy, I worked with a guy that we called Ziggy and his name was Siegfried. And uh, he said, yes, before the war, I was, or uh, during the war, I was a Nazi U-boat. Or he never said Nazi. He said, I was a U-boat captain. And I remember looking at him and being like, oh, boy. Holy shit, you were a Nazi. So there's two old guys that I work with because I was homeschooled. I worked during the day. The other old guy was freaking in Patton's army marching up italy like (laughs) and now they're like very close friends and they do all this stuff together and and it's just bizarre it's so bizarre and i'm just looking at this guy and i'm like okay okay 
Peter Piper's big pizza. What can I make for you today? <laughs> <laughs> that was no. That was when I was at Randall's grocery store. What was Randall's? It's a grocery store. That's what, oh, that's right. That's, that's what right, I did right, right after Peter Piper Pizza. You're a great okay. place for birthday parties. This is Gomer. How can I help you? <laughs> did you actually say this is Gomer? I sure as shit did. <laughs> I sure as shit did. And that's if someone awesome. called that had a like an accent, I would try to imitate that accent back to them. It was very stupid, and I got in trouble yes, many was. times. I got in trouble many times. <laughs> Gormley, quit trying to do a Pakistani accent. It's not funny. It's actually racist. Yeah. Why is doing an accent racist, I ask? Uh, sir, your order will be ready in 20 minutes. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Speaking of... Okay, so I was on... Um, uh, I mean, I, I will keep talking about the second world war if you want to. I think it's freaking fascinating. But um, I, I forgot that we fought the French for three days during that war. <laughs> Vichy, Vichy France. But no, like 3,000 people on both sides died. It was oh, really wow. bad. It was like super bad. Yeah. Uh, like it didn't have to happen. Basically, the French uh, generals like, I refuse to join you. And they were like, okay, we have to land here and they're you're going to fight us now. So here we go. Um <laughs> Six thousand deaths later, hooray modernity! Um, like it's, so, I'm, I'm excited to interview Scott Hahn because are we doing this? I, when yeah, we, I'm going to reach out to him here probably next week because I haven't yeah, finished we the book. Get on that. But um, the book he wrote is called "The Decline and Fall of Sacred Scripture: How the Bible Became a Secular Book." It might as well be called "How Modernity." You know, was born. It, it's always so fascinating to look at history through these different angles, like. That's why I think biographies are so fascinating. I love that you read them. It's the because best. right. And because it's like I'm going to give you a snapshot of the world but through the lens of Teddy Roosevelt or Eisenhower yep. or you know whomever it might be, or Truman or that we did that whole episode on. I think it's so fascinating, but what Scott Hahn is doing and uh Dr. Benjamin Weicker, what they're doing is they're giving you a snapshot of 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th century Europe as it leads into, like, academically and religiously, which I think is, you know, obviously two of the most important things. We tend to focus on the wars, but he's focusing on the ideas that lead to the wars, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, what's his name? Uh, Jordan Peterson of the Great Line that in ideology is where ideas possess you. And I, I mean, like when you're brought out of that ideology, it's like, oh, my God, what have we done? What have I why did I think that about the Jews or the Italians or, you know, the French or whatever it might be in World War Two? Like it, it is amazing. And so he's talking about these ideas that like one of the ideas is um, people using the Bible to engage in political power grabs. Right. No, nothing new in the Middle Ages. But the thing that changed everything was this English author who translated the Bible, tried to translate the Bible into English, it's pretty awful, but um, he came up with this theology based on the Old Testament that, well, it was the Jews and the Jewish king that ruled Israel, so including the tribe of Levi, which were the priestly tribe, so too should the local king oversee and overrule the priests and the bishops and the pope. The only one who should have authority over the priestly tribe. Now, he has control over all religion within, and religious houses, institutes, loyalties, all of that, doctrine. And this started to be believed in random and various ways throughout Europe 
But the place where it took hold the most was in England. And so they were the, and it was a messianic, uh, it, yeah, it was a messianic nationalist movement. And it took, and it happened all over, like France and England were the two places that it accelerated. But Sweden, Denmark, these places adopted it too. And it was like England, like the English kings used to say, we are the successors. We are the literal successors of Old Testament Israel. Hmm. So when it comes to King Henry VIII, and he essentially gets excommunicated by the Pope, and he says, well, the Church of Rome has broken with the Church of England, which is the dumbest thing any human being could say up to that point, that, this is like the culmination of an ideology that was 100 years old. And it came at the perfect, also known as worst time ever, when you started getting these national consciences, right? People started conceiving of themselves yeah. as not the yeah. Holy Roman Empire, but as nationalistic states. And that sweeps through with the Protestant Reformation. You had German princes aligned against the Holy Roman Emperor. You had, because Germany was, this is the great line Th- Germany was not a country, it was 300 principalities. And mm-hmm. 30 of those were really, really, really important. And then you had the Papal States, and then you had the Habsburgs, and then you had the Spanish who were related to the Habsburgs but weren't, and then you had the English, and then you had the rise of the French. And all of this stuff started happening. So, like, you had you had the Pope funding Lutheran Swedes to fight German Catholics because he wanted to destabilize the power of the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, right? Like, it's just nuts. And when I'm going through this, yeah. I'm reading this, I'm like, that. I mean, like, we are, we are beholden. This is why it pays to study philosophy and theology and economics, I think, because uh, we're beholding to these ideologies that we don't even know. Like, we always talk about modernity. So much. we don't know what we're doing because we don't know what we're undoing. Well, and, and I think there's also this idea that it is linear. Yeah. And to yeah. a certain extent, I think there's a little bit of that there, but it, it, at, at the same time, it's also not because it's like it's it's just jumps all over the place. And like, it, I mean, when you look at the Protestant um, Reformation, you're, you know, it doesn't take very long before you get um, a freaky deaky sex cult, <laughs> like you know, the, yeah. just out of nowhere. And like, then you have like reforms of all, like you have like these things that happen. Then you have like a reform, and then there's a reform of the form of the reform. You know, and yeah. it, it it's this constant like. And now you have Baptists. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Uh, I was drinking with all my Notre Dame friends one time when we were there, and I was like, "Yeah, your freaky deaky sex Dutch cult thing." And my buddy who's Dutch was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, kind of, you know, the whole like Anabaptist thing, I'm like whatever the hell it is." And they were like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "I don't know. I've been drinking." But there's a podcast about the freaky deaky sex cult that started because it was just like a basic a Reformation thing, and then it was just a rabbit hole. I don't, I don't remember how it ended. <laughs> Where but, um, am I down this rabbit hole? <laughs> I know. They're like, good God, Luke, can you just stop? Like, I can't. No, that's Um, the problem. That's why I have podcasts. (laughs) um, History tends to be this weird thing where I I love the line, like it doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. Because I think it gives Cadence this idea that like, so, like, there's nothing new under the sun. So many things have actually happened happened before, and it's not like... I don't really. I, what I don't buy into the is the idea of progress to a certain extent. Although to a certain extent, I also kind of do. Yeah, but yeah. in the sense of like we're always getting um, better. I think no, we're always just like we're not always becoming more and more uh, true or real. I do think we're uh, continually at adv- like there's like a change. I don't know. I don't. I don't this, I'm getting a little bit in, in, in 
to the weeds here. But but my point is like history is a mess. It is a freaking mess. And there are, I can come up with a hundred examples of how like America is freaking awesome and the things we've done have been so cool. And then uh, I could come up with three hundred things where it's like, <laughs> oh my god, burn it all down. <laughs> and yeah. it's um, and it's but like that's the human condition though. I can look at the Founding Fathers and see some really horrific things, and I can see some other things. I'm like, that's pretty cool that, that they did that. Yeah. And they don't neg- – and, and, and I'm not saying that that means we need to have like – we need to have a statue of, you know, every one of them in every house in America. You know, I'm not trying – I'm just – I'm just saying that it it is complicated, and when you can start to appreciate that and you could see – you can take some of the good out of these things, it's – it's it's wild. I don't know yeah. where I'm going with all this stuff. It's well, let me exhausted. let me let me say one thing that I I love about what you're saying. When you comb through history, the dumbest thing that we can do is forget history. The worst thing we can do is forget history, the good and the bad. You can't whitewash history. You can't dismiss it. You got to absorb it so you don't repeat the stupidity. But there there is a myth of the enlightenment and the myth of progress is one of those things because every age thinks it finally has things completely figured out. Yeah. And it doesn't realize that while they do advance in certain areas, they don't necessarily advance in others. They might fail epically in other ways. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that a lot of the revolutionaries that brought us from the Middle Ages into modernity, into the quote-unquote enlightenment, the so-called enlightenment, many of them, carried with them the morals of the middle ages like we're like we're overturning everything but adultery is still evil lying is still wrong you know like they still had like and that was the whole thesis of alistair mcintyre is like emmanuel kant thought of himself as this insane anti-tradition radical but he still was justifying conservative moral principles and it's funny, like, just go through the list. Like, they were all justified. Like, the way they conceived of morality as such was an inheritance of the Middle Ages, not something that they threw off whole cloth. And it's amazing that we're not conscious of that. And uh, Matthew Crawford's book, uh, The World Beyond Your Head, he, his whole assertion is that the Enlightenment is particularly blind to itself. It thinks it's the most self-conscious, self-aware, you know, generation mm-hmm. or epoch. Um, mm-hmm. but it's the least because it, it you know, it's like, uh, what, what's that phrase? It's like, uh, it's like a six year old who discovers his dad's gun. Like, that's what we were like when we discovered the sciences. We're like, we're going to rewrite everything and we're going to redo everything and everything's going to be scientific and mechanistic. And then most of life doesn't fit into these small categories. Oh crap. What do we do now? I know despair. And then like, that's the history of modernity. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we finally wield this amazing power called mathematics and physics and biology and chemistry and then now it's optics and the microscope and the telescope and all of these things and then it's like okay great how can we make really big bombs no 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 really big bombs (laughs) no no i'm talking like destroy the world 12 times over like i want there's uh i was listening to a podcast on the art of maleness about like time and uh this guy was basically talking about how it's so funny. It was so it's so us. They're like, you know how when you're in your twenties and you get obsessed with uh product with like productivity of methods. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and they were saying how that's part of that. It's just being young and realizing, okay, I can like you start to realize how you can actually uh, use time as a resource, and then 
how you can try to manipulate that and how you can try to, you know, like, and, and, and they said, but, but the problem is that like time is finite and you can't <laughs> like you can better use your time, but like, you're always going to run out of time. It's not a thing that you can multiply. It's not a thing that, you, you know, it's not a resource that like um, you can change. And, and they said it kind of like when you start to realize that you see that like almost a uh, type of depression where it's like, well, then like, what do I do? How does this work? And they were and he was comparing it to back in the medieval age where they just didn't have the same view of time that we had. And, and it, because time is not um, viewed as this um, thing to be tapped and changed and manipulated, it's just not. It's not like, a, you know, you don't have this thing of like, oh, my gosh, I'm like old. Oh, woe is me. It's just like you're just you. It was really interesting just kind of like hearing that. And, and now, again, they tried to say like there were things about this time period that I would not want to be around. And I would agree with that. Like, I, I'm glad that we live in the age. I'm glad that I'm in the age I am where I have like the health benefits and all this, and all this other stuff. that we Thank have. you, indoor plumbing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, but the way we view time and even I would argue perhaps the way we experience time is a modern thing. And just because it is a modern thing doesn't mean it's a good thing. The Matrix has ended. It's a new BetterHelp read from your friend, Luke. Uh, so you guys have heard us talk about um, BetterHelp before at length, and we're going to talk about Better, that's H-E-L-P, again. Listen, BetterHelp can help you get hooked up with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start um, communicating with one in less than like 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional online counseling done uh, securely online. You, you've heard it talked about on our show. You've heard it talked about like a whole bunch of podcasts look guys god wants you to find from a healing god and wants you to be the person he created he create you to be and if you're over the age of 25 and you haven't been to counseling now is the time better help is committed to um facilitating great therapeutic um, matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed it is more of affordable than traditional offline counseling and this is cool financial aid is available so um, better help wants you to start i'm um, living a um, happier life today go to their website read all all of the testimonies that are on there posted daily and guess what guys guess what go to betterhelp.com slash foxes that's better com slash foxes join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional in fact so many people have been have been using better help that they are recruiting additional counselors in, in all 50 states this podcast is sponsored by better help and catching foxes listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash foxes so if you go to better H-E-L-P, you will get 10% off your first month. That is fantastic. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring yet another episode of everyone's favorite podcast, Catching Foxes. Right, and I was going to say that your comment earlier about like Catholicism and the church and like, hey, sometimes like we all like to pretend like we're always the good guys, but sometimes we did terrible stuff. Often what we what we look at and we're looking for the church being like, oh, yeah, well, the church anticipated the scientific revolution. If it wasn't for the Catholic Church, we wouldn't have it, which is a thing I've said many times to high school students. We keep saying this things like this because from our modernist 
perspective, that's the victorious, the victorious thing. Yes. Yep. And thus we view it as the good thing, yep. the right thing, yep. tolerance, all that stuff. Exactly. So now we constantly reevaluate the past being like, okay, so the Lutherans were ahead of us on autonomy, but way behind us in virtue and community. And the, you know, like, like we do this silly game, but it's, 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 it's part of inhabiting modernity is we are in the soup. We think with modernity. We value with modernity. You and I, even in my absolute love of Thomas Aquinas, I, I can never go back then. Like, uh, it is so difficult, or, or biblical studies, to immerse yourself in a culture that no longer exists is impossible. So at best, we can we can do a handful of things, like read their spiritual writings in order to understand them from the inside out kind of thing. But there, there exists a gulf, especially when you pass from one age into a new age, that things get lost. Like I, when I'm, I'm writing this thing on the atonement, why did Jesus have to die? And I have it saved on my desktop, so every time I turn on my computer, it shames me that I haven't done it. The idea is like almost immediately the Greek fathers start saying things like they talk about Jesus' death as as – a ransom and, you know, redemption and stuff like that. But it gets away from that notion of sacrifice in the Old Testament. St. Augustine really keeps the notion of sacrifice at the center, but he defines sacrifice in a way that even the Roman sacrificial system would be incorporated. Because when I think, I don't know about you, but because I don't kill animals in worship of my gods, uh, when I think of sacrifice, I think of, like, I don't, like, the first thing that comes to mind when someone says, he sacrificed himself. I think of oh he's a hero who laid down his life for someone else right mm-hmm. like that's... or my sacrifice is what I think of what's that ah some dumb Creed song oh, my sacrifice <laughs> yeah, yeah that's funny uh, but Thank that you. that notion it's like okay but what was the Jewish version of sacrifice because a bunch of Jews wrote the New Testament. And when these Jews were thinking of Jewish stuff, they were doing it in a Jewish context where there was a giant temple where so many animals were slaughtered, like there was like a river of blood coming out the side of the temple where there was like this underground spring thing. River of gods, it's a feed, a dance. <laughs> so like their, their worldview was so different. And so it's just sad that like unless we we really humble ourselves in this modern age, we constantly read back into the past so much stuff that we're just, we're like clueless about. Like, we can't go back there. We do see the world different. And that's one of the one of the hardest parts of history, I think, that some people, uh, that I get frustrated at sometimes is history is not necessarily, although it pretty much is, it's, a big, big part of it is commenting on the past. But another big part of it is like, well, just what did the people at the time in the event, like what did they say and think? What did, what were their thoughts about this? So, you know, there's a book that talks about um, um, the Crusades, about how these people, you know, they were told by the Pope, if you fought and died in the Crusade, you got like a plenary um, indulgence and, you know, like you went to heaven or something like that. I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly how, how it worked, but, and people are saying like, isn't that dumb? I can't believe that people went and did that. It's like, well, sure, but okay, like, so whatever. Um, they really believed it though. Yeah. Like, like they truly believed that they were embarking on like, oh, this was a holy thing that they were doing on behalf of the gospel or for the sake of the gospel. They truly believed that. 
and then they, he, he kind of went to like, well, here's why they're kind of right, <laughs> but um, <laughs> not with the killing and the raping, obviously. The point being like, you know, you're trying to fight on behalf of people who can't fight for themselves so they can like live their faith. That's a, that's not a bad thing. But my, what the heck what was my point? <laughs> I hate myself. I love you. As he both love and hates himself. <laughs> hey, Luke, do you remember last week I asked you to remind me and shame me about something? Do you remember what it was? Nope. Damn it. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> Couch to 5K. Oh, yeah. Couch to 5K. Did- did you do anything? Haven't missed a, a session. You're supposed to do it every other day. Haven't Good missed a session. I, I, it's the best to do it in the morning because in Texas, it's surface of the sun hot, except in the morning where it actually dipped into 49 degrees, 49. Ooh. But um, that was in the morning. And last night, I drank a bunch of beer with my wife as we watched John Wick 3. <laughs> I, I, got, I went to bed kind of early last night because I, I had a terrible headache yesterday. It was... Really, really miserable. Um, and uh, I saw your text. I was like, <laughs> John Wick. Then he went to bed. Yeah, I sent you the infamous kill a man in a, with a library book thing. Um, that was a fun scene to watch. So good. So good. Uh, uh, but remember yeah. when people paid for us to go to Alaska? And and instead, instead of enjoying <laughs> the beautiful wilderness for a day, we went to go see In this John sweet Wick. car yeah. with the most amazing family. No, no, we could take your car and go cruising around Alaska, or <laughs> let's go to a suburban mall movie theater, watch John Wick 3. <laughs> I would just kill to go to a movie theater right now. Please let me kill to go to a movie theater right now. I have seen Venom and, uh, let me see, Venom, Black Widow, hate you, I hate you. and Free Guy all in the movie theater. Was that good? It's, Free Guy? It's funny. It's funny. Fine. You know yeah. exactly what you're going to get. It is. You just watch well, the preview. That's not always bad. It's exa- I thought it was hilarious. I had a good time. And now yeah. I want to see No Time to Die in the theater. And then, uh, oh, my gosh. Did you watch the Batman trailer? No. Okay. Do you want to have this conversation now? Sure. I'm nervous, man. I'm nervous. Why? Okay. I I am in love with the guy playing the Riddler. That I'm already like. Get, I don't know good. who this it is. is. I don't know who it is. He, You've seen him in stuff before. Fair He's enough. a wonderful, Fair wonderful enough. actor. But I don't know who what his name is. All I know is what they show in the trailers, and that's all I want. I don't want to find out more. It's it's wonderful. I'm nervous because, all right, so like watch the trailer if you haven't, if you don't want to, I guess spoilers for the trailer. So the first trailer has that Nirvana uh, song, and it has like a red tone to like a lot of the images and stuff, and it's like this perfect... It is perfect. The bridge, top yeah, it, sprung of the. I it, love that song. Yeah, it is so. Oh, it, it's such a unique song, and it's such a. The tone of it is just. I was like, I've never seen a Batman that has this tone. Yeah, like I've never like this is new. The, oh my god, I was so excited because it was interesting and it was new. And I felt like this trailer didn't necessarily have that tone. It was kind of there. And then there's, there is a part where you can tell Batman's talking to the guy who plays the Riddler, I think. And he bangs on the glass and he like, and um, Batman looks all angry. And I was like, oh, that's just the where is she part. Where is she? Like, I'm not saying, yeah, it just felt so, it just felt so I'm derivative of that. 
and immediately took me out of it. And I was like, oh. Now, there are certain things that in a Batman film that I, I like I want to see, which is like, who are you? I'm Batman. Like, that's fine. That's in every Batman film. Like, please, like, more of that. Like, I'm vengeance. Yeah, exactly. I I'm totally love fine with that. that. What do so you I'm think gonna, of the Penguin? Oh, I'm I'm I like uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, I like I like him How as an actor. So, looks nothing. I know. It's amazing. I know. I got you. I got you. And then he comes roaring through the flames. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm really. I, I'm gonna. I'm going to rewatch it. I am a. I'm not as excited as I was. I love Robert Pattinson. I think he's a wonderful Same. actor. Um, Hufflepuff till I till he dies. <laughs> You know, uh, what do you think? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I have watched the trailer at least 400 times. Okay. Do we try to go and watch this with Father Mike Schmidt? We've tried to do it for multiple superhero uh, stuff. It's March. It's March 4th. I'm literally going to pull out my phone and send him a text. Yeah. Send him a text. Because we, and and he seems like he's, yeah. We, man, I can't remember. Did we almost do it for Infinity War? And he had some. I don't remember what it was. Well, okay. So I do have a deacon's retreat all day on the fifth. <laughs> Someone out there in Hollywood can give us a special screen. He has the biggest podcast in the country. Yeah, come on. And Batman's his favorite. Let's do this. <laughs> Someone's got to be able to pull some strings. How amazing would that be if someone could actually pull those strings? How amazing. <laughs> I love Robert Pattinson. Like, all the movies that I've seen him in, you know, I mean, he's incredible. And it does suck that, you know, the movie that you're most famous for is a movie for young adult fiction, you know, Twilight stuff, where heavy breathing was, like, the main line of every character in that movie. Also, I just, she's, he's just, like, two leagues ahead of her. I just don't believe he'd be like, oh, hey. Yeah, no, hey, he's so incredible. weird looking girl. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a I'm a great looking dude, but nah, I'll hang out with you. Like, <laughs> I don't think so. My judgment. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. For some reason, girls love that right now. Girls love, but I choose you. Vampires, werewolves, and billionaires. That's what they look for in their porn. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, 2008 to 2015 was weird times. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's he's awesome. I love him. Um, the Catwoman, what's her name? Uh, uh, oh man, what is her uh, name? Is it? It's Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Thank you. I was like Zoe Lovitz. No, Zoe Lovitz. No, <laughs> Zoe Lovitz. John John, John Lovitz. Lovitz. Yes, <laughs> it stinks. <laughs> That's the ticket. <laughs> But I thought she looked great. She looked every bit of Catwoman that you think of Catwoman. Oh, yeah. No, I thought Which it was great. is a seductress who can kick your ass. Um, and then you have um, Penguin. I already talked about him. Who else do we have? Commissioner Gordon. I forget that guy's name. But he was. It is aw- uh, the dude from Westworld. Yeah. Season one of Bernard. Westworld is awesome. Um, but he, like, when I saw him as Commissioner Gordon, I'm like, that's cool. I can I can get behind that. He oh, looks then, like a commissioner Gordon, like a seasoned, you know, yep, commi- you yep. know. That's awesome. Oh, and then the do you remember how we talked about this before we couldn't uh, determine who would the British guy be like who would play Alfred? Yeah. This makes total sense. 
Andy Serkis. Why does I'm, that make I'm total okay sense? That. Why does that make total sense? He's he's the British guy who's of that age. Okay, fair enough. Just old enough. Young enough that he can still kick ass, but old enough that he has put aside his violent days to be a manservant. <laughs> yeah, he will be the like he he's a young Alfred, but it he's as young as he's as young as an Alfred as I could imagine. Now, if anyone owns HBO Max, I believe it's on HBO Max. I would encourage you to watch the animated Batman Year One movies. I think I have watched that. Those are good, but this feels like Batman Year One. Like it's like super oh, gritty, yeah, 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 yeah super yeah. brutal. He's figuring crap out. But with this second trailer, you know what you realize? You re- he's got some technology. He's got some tech, like the suit when he's getting shot. You see, it's almost like Black Panther with the purple stuff, right? It like you see like almost like electricity take the it's not just like sparks of bullets ricocheting off. It's like the kinetic energy is being zapped away. Anywho, before I go full nerd on that. Yeah. He uh he is he electrocutes that one guy with like a taser finger. Remember when he's choking the Joker guy? And there's sparks coming out of his hand while he's choking and the guy's like and he's like freaking out. Oh yeah, uh, I, I need to watch it again. I but if if they can match the tone of the first trailer, if that's, I think that's I'm, the movie. I think that's the movie. I thought that I just was like, oh, this is I signed me up for the I, I that is such a fun trailer to watch. It was it totally. So I think the second one can't reproduce the same thing. And I, I totally agree with you when he said, uh, you know, what was it? What have you done? And I, know, I, I was where like, is she? Oh, there's yeah. no reason for that. Well, there might be in the movie. There might be. I know, but it I, and and this is hard because that's just such a wonderful like that's just such a wonderful scene of of, yeah. it, of just like and I can hear the music in that scene. You know that like, yeah that, oh, oh. The t- yeah it's so and like it's just there's so much going on there and it's just perfect and and I I just it's kind of like um it's like when like a band tries to do like a song or like they have like a, a guitar part where it's like I know what you're doing and like you can't either like I'm gonna cover this song or don't <laughs> like you, you can't like wink at I don't know it's just it's too like the I'm Batman stuff yeah that works because that's not a big part of the first Batman film it's it's just it's just a fun part yeah and I, I think it's it's it um, I'm trying to think of like another example of that of where how that could well my big thing my big thing is. This is the gritty Batman, and I like that it's it's the detective comics style Batman because we don't really get that. We got a glimpse of that in yeah. in um, the Dark Knight where he's like replicating the Joker's bullet that shattered in a brick yeah, by trying to. But fight. you don't get like um, the full on world's greatest a detective. Yeah, and I don't understand why they even at certain parts try to go out of the way and make Bruce Wayne seem a little dumb. In that scene, or in that in that movie, like, oh, I don't understand what you're saying. And I'm like, come on, like, you're the world's greatest detective. Like, this is the, like, you did the, I traveled the world to understand criminality. That's part of it. The other part is you subjected your body to absolute discipline so Sport. that you could yeah. become the greatest fighter. And then you also became the greatest detective. Like, all of those make Batman Batman plus a billion dollars or or more um all of those make them that thing so i'm like come on man i need all of it so if a movie can only give you one angle or one slice i'm happy that this is the detective comics version of that i think it'll be cool i'm excited i feel like 
Michael Keaton's Batman kind of it, it, it had that. There was a lot of microfilm, a lot of uh, microfiche. <laughs> sorry, a lot of research microfiche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which as a kid I was very excited to do with all that. When I started, I I remember the first time I ever had to do research with that. Mm-hmm. I was in like fifth or sixth grade. I was like, oh, this is wonderful. The, and I used to like go and borrow stuff from the library just to like look at old microfiche. That was like our um, version of being a hacker. Yeah, it was so much. It was so like, what fun. Do you know? I'm reading exciting. a newspaper from 1971. Why? What happened on that day? Oh, I mean, this is just the one I grabbed. I don't know how to find these things. But look. This is amazing. <laughs> the whole- it goes so fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, and remember all the movies back in the day, like in the 90s, that had you know newspapers cracking some story by going through the microfiche? Well, well then you would like show the like reflection on the guy's face of like stuff like flying by. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, Thank yeah, God he was the- wearing glasses. Gen Z will like never. I can see Upstate Rogers hearing this, just being like, "The fuck?" Yeah, and then she's like, "Why wouldn't you just like Google search it?" Like, like what is this? And she's like on her phone. She's giving me this weird like eye look. And she's like, "Oh, okay." I'm like, "This Sarah, this is cool." With like her hip <laughs> cocked out to one side and her elbow, yeah. and like she just didn't care. Like, Sarah, can you no? Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to bother you. <laughs> You're just my employee. Whatever. Yeah, let's just move on. Sorry. <laughs> I like how we're making fun of her. Batman trailer, making fun of Sarah. <laughs> That's the way I want to live my life. Luke, real quick. Hmm. Houston, yeah. 2021, Catching Fox's live show, Deacon Baldy's second second Saturday of Advent. What do you say? Yes. Uh, what day? Oh, what day? It's like the fifth or fourth. I might be able to swing that. Actually, yeah, I think I could. If it's if it's a Saturday, I I could. Underneath the bridge, top has sprung a leak, and the animals I catch have all become my friends, and there's something in the way. What have you done? <laughs> Swear to me. <laughs> you ever seen that college humor of how Batman got, found his voice? And he's like, hey, man. And he's like, whoa, what's wrong with your voice? He's like, what are you talking about? What's wrong with my voice? It's my voice. <laughs> he's like, well, that's not really scary. <laughs> okay, well, how about this? <laughs> you know, and he goes through like 20 different impressions. And he's like, uh, uh. he's like, oh, that sounds good. He's like, what do you mean it sounds good? He's like, your voice, it sounds scary, all gravelly like that. And he goes, oh, are you sure? You're not lying to me? And he goes, no, no, I'm genuinely scared by that voice. He goes, you, you promise? Yeah, I promise. I swear. Swear to me. And he drops him. <laughs> I just told you a skit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's so funny. Yeah, I, I, I could do that. Oh, the 5th of December? Let me, just, let me just commit something without talking to my wife and say, yeah, sure. Remember, remember the 5th of December. 5th of December. Why? Have you already, did you already plan something or just get this idea in the back of your head? I got this idea in the front of my head where uh, impulsive thoughts come from in the ADHD mind. <laughs> we will begin texting. Deal. Yeah, I like it. Deal. Deal. All righty. Thanks to our friends over at Patreon who make memes of us that bring delight to my chubby little soul. Thank you, guys. Yeah, uh, the Discord's been very fun. The Discord's been fun, but also I posted a picture of like my life in a snapshot. The Muckentallers were over. 
And uh, so we had NASCAR. I I zoomed out on the photo, you know, on the iPhone 12. You get that 0.5 aperture. So I had the the, zoomed out on the photo. So I got the television screen with NASCAR. And then I have my daughter, Katiri, holding a baby. Right? So it's like all the (laughs) things. And they're like books everywhere and all this stuff. And uh, so many, so many funny comments in there. So if you're thinking, if you're sitting on the fence, it's time to give $2. Eh. Eh, that's two dollars. You give two dollars a month on Patreon. You too can join the wacky wild world of uh, of Patreon. And on Patreon, I also the last episode was about an hour long. Oh no, no, the last episode was an hour and twenty minutes. I took that last hour and twenty minutes, edited it down a little bit, and posted that as bonus content on the Patreon page. So all the discussion, Luke, that me and you had about. What books are we reading and listening to right now? That's all on the Patreon as bonus content for our fans. Feed them, feed them. I will, I will. That's there's some good. There's some good stuff there. Mm -hmm. It's actually not like the bad part of I'm catching foxes. It's uh, we just have so much good, but so little time. Right, and so my thoughts are: if we ever go over an hour, however long we go over an hour, I want to test it to see if it's good standalone content. And this time it Milk was. It. And so I put probably, I don't know, maybe a dozen uh, bonus shows. And they're all listed under the uh, hashtag bonus show or the tag bonus. Bonus show. Bonus yeah, there's, and then we've, it, it is, I, I will say, it's a genuinely great up community of people who are really there for each other. And uh, there's, uh, we've got like a great uh, prayer request like thread and stuff. Yeah. We've got, we actually have a lot of great channels on the Discord. It's, it's pretty. It is fun. Like we've got sports. We've got. Uh, we actually have a um a photography one that's pretty cool. It's 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 fun. Yeah. So we also have an every out. knee shall bow one, which makes my yeah, me really happy. Uh <laughs> me and Van Vickle were having a conversation, real time Luke. We we're having a conversation yeah. about whether or not we should cancel every knee shall bow. And we have this oh, conversation whoa. like every four months. This is not a new thing. Yeah. We have existential crises all the time. And we're like, could we do it? You know, Poor we- you. Yeah. You just want a partner who's just gonna commit and not be like, is this <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now I love it. I love it, and and Dave loves it too. But it's like yeah. there comes these time where you feel like, okay, am I just spinning my wheels? Are people benefiting? And this is where yeah. you know the prayer yeah. comes in because literally we have that conversation. I hang up. I shut my laptop screen, and I'm like, oh crap, is Dave? Do is this the end? Like, are we gonna do like maybe a month more and it's over? And then within the last three weeks, you could take. All of the complimentary comments that people of their own free will sent to us, and they would not equal however many we got in the last three weeks. Like, so many people were like, I have no, thank you so much, or I'm becoming Catholic because of your podcast, or I'm doing this and I'm doing that, and my church is turning around and all this stuff. And it's been incredible. It's been incredible. So I think maybe me and Dave for season three, four, two, whatever we're on, should now just start naming names and go down the catching foxes path where we just alienate as many people as possible. Yeah. So No, I like to alienate on people. It's fun. See you in my crosshairs, Church of the Nativity in Timonium, Maryland. Gosh, I can't stand it. I watched their whole mass one day from last week. Today or today I watched their whole Sunday mass and I was like, Well, Catholicism is dead and these people killed it. <laughs> Long live Catholicism. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Luke, I love you. 
Are you? Are, are we done? Uh, we're Did done. We do it? One hour and seven minutes of solid content. We it's talked about Nazis. Good. We talked about Italians. <laughs> we talked about the Middle Ages, and we talked about modernity. We talked about <laughs> Batman. We t- <laughs> talked about Scott Hahn. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave somehow Fickle. the art of manliness got worked in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna watch Batman trilogy again in the dark. In the dark with pants on. Or off. Oh, no, no. I've had pants all this entire time. We've, we've been recording. Me too, Luke. But that's only because I ran 3K as part of my interval training to get to 5K. Good for you, buddy. I love you. I love you. Uh, stop the recording in five. I love you, listener. And I love you, patreon.com slash cf. That's patreon.com slash cf. 